PGA Nation, we are back. Coming off a fun PGA Championship. Congrats to Justin Thomas and the Justin Thomas followers. If you played them, you probably made some money. So congrats to that. I think one thing last week showed too, at least for me personally, and on the highlight, you know, as we learned, especially at these majors where there's a lot of premier talent in the pool, for these big DraftKings tournaments, you know, we all did really well. I did really well without Justin Thomas. So when you're looking at, you know, playing the highest budgeted or one of the highest budgeted players, you know, sometimes balance can work out even if that guy wins the tournament, right? Because even still, if you're playing Justin Thomas, it's hard to get six pretty elite guys in there, higher tier guys. So just something to think about. I think it was a good learning for me. I had a really good week. Didn't play much of any Justin Thomas. Uh, and I think it was because of what you could do with, with the salary. I see some, uh, some already some funny comments in the chat about uh, me, my team doing well. Yes, I did win last week. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't have a player withdraw for the first time in, <laughs> I, I honestly don't know how long. So that is, it does feel good to get six people playing and no one withdraw. And then look what happens. Obviously I have a really, really successful week. So we're stoked about that. But overall, um, everyone who drafted last week did, did pretty well. I mean, we were on a lot of the right guys. Uh, we certainly had our core zeroed in on, and that's what we're going to do again this week. We head back down to Texas Colonial Country Club, the Charles Schwab. See ya. How you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I, I got to say, I wish Justin Thomas didn't win the tournament, though, because there were a lot of because I had the wave stack. So I wasn't going to have any Justin Thomas. I wasn't going to have any Matt Fitzpatrick. So I had a lot of Zalatoris, like we talked about, like I had in my initial picks article. Same with Mito Pereira. Um, I had a good amount of Chris Kirk. I had a good amount of Cameron Young, not not as much Cameron Young as I, I had hoped. But, you know, I wrote up all these guys. I, I thought they were going to do pretty well. And then I found out they were on the right side of the wave stack. But Long story short, I actually thought I had some outright potential, like in the $33 single entry, one of those two, and, and, and a couple, like a, like a $12 one. Uh, my 200 SE wasn't very good. Um, with all that said, I just needed a good close on Sunday, and I needed Justin Thomas to go away, essentially. So every shot Justin Thomas was making up on Mito Pereira, and it was quick and decisive, because by the way, at 3.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is well into the tournament on Sunday, Justin Thomas was eight shots back of Mito Pereira. Like he had no shot. There were two guys really to contend with him. And it was Cameron Young and it was Will Zalatoris, maybe Matt Fitzpatrick. Justin Thomas was nowhere to be found until he showed up as the winner, found himself in a playoff and won. So that hurt my DK teams. But honestly, as a group, I thought we were really good. We were really on the right people. I think most of us played the wave, but some of us didn't. And to the extent we didn't, we were on a lot of the right people. And I know I wasn't on Fitzpatrick, but I know some of us on the Wind Daily team were, um, Justin Thomas as well. So I thought it was a great tournament. I wish I had won more. It was it was a nominal win for me, unfortunately. The, yeah, the one thing that I want to kind of add on to that is um... – this week, we talked about it, right? And one of the things we mentioned on the show was how it's a dramatic finish, how the back nine is really challenging, how the 18th hole could bring so, some drama, which it did. And the, I had that thought process. Obviously, I didn't have the kahunas to actually put up and, and do anything about it. But I had the thought process of, like, if someone's going to make an epic comeback, it's going to be this tournament. If someone's going to be down a bunch of strokes in the back nine and make – because bridging the gap isn't just going six under. 
the people ahead of you can easily go four over. And then if you go, you know, if you under, right, you bridge that gap rather quickly. And that was my thought process. And, and like you said, Sia, um, I don't know if you mentioned, there was a better who did that. A guy put 200 bucks on Thomas on the back nine and he ended up winning 50K. And so, you know, that's why you tune into shows like ours. So that's the type of insight we can give you is you can find out, you know, what the course is like, you know, on a course where the winner is going to be 30 under, that's not going to happen. But but here it can. Uh, Spence, how you doing? How'd you do this week? I had a really good betting week. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit off the show. Like my head-to-head bets from a pre-tournament perspective, I swept the board there. I had Tommy Fleetwood in a top 40 year and wise. Those were guys on the wrong side of the draw that ended up finding success. But I think both of you brought up really good points when just talking about DFS in general during these major championships. Like it's funny. You can make a lot of mistakes and we want to make as little of mistakes as possible to, you know, get as much win equity in these fields as we can. But you know, whether it's maybe not playing Justin Thomas or like even Nick and I on better golf, we were advocating to, or at least I was advocating. I don't want to throw uh, Nick into that equation, but advocating potentially fading Zalatoris and Cam Young. But even by doing those things, there was still profitability to be found out there. And the only thing I will say that I was disappointed in, because everything lined up perfectly with how everybody crumbled at the end, Rory started Sunday so hot yeah. that if he could have just kept it going and he had, I mean, I mean, what? He probably had 13 makeable birdie looks from like seven to 20 feet that if he just makes a couple of those, he could win the golf tournament because he got himself, I believe, to, I want to say four under after four or five holes and then just kind of just stagnated from there and never did anything. But he could have posted six under, seven under, eight under par, and yep. you wouldn't have realized that he was going to win the tournament. And then out of nowhere, he would have won by a shot or two. So uh, for my own personal bankroll standpoint, I wish Rory would have won. I think that that was a good opportunity for him to backdoor a victory rather than backdooring like a top two or top five like we normally get. But uh, it was a good tournament. Oh, okay. So first of all, I was big on Rory as well, especially on Sunday. I needed him and or Jordan Spieth to make a charge. But I do want to point this out because we have, you know, I want to say collectively, because the last first round leader that was hit, it was, it was of course, Spencer, you with Trey Mullinax at like, one infinity to one essentially so we've been on a nice run as a group obviously i i've had that run um as sort of more towards the beginning of the season where i hit six out of 12 but i do want to say this we had i had will zalatoris as a first round leader and if rory of all people who basically couldn't make a putt the entire tournament particularly on sunday i should say um he drained a 19 footer to to ruin another first round leader for me it was will zalatoris it would have been in a tie with Rory McIlroy and with Tom Hoagie. So it would have been a three-way split, pretty pretty decent at, you know, 40 to one odds or or 35, wherever you got him. So, you know, Rory kind of broke my heart on Sunday because I needed him. Uh, and then he broke my heart on, on Thursday because he made a 19-foot putt. And he wasn't making, like, he wasn't even close on his putts on Sunday. And, and honestly, he had everything in the fairway. Everything off the tee was great for him. His approach game on Sunday, I thought, could have been a little bit more precise. Unfortunately, he was leaving himself with, you know, 10 to 18 footers instead of with perfect shots in the fairway instead of, you know, four to eight to nine footers. And I think that was really the difference. I don't have an expectation that you're going to make a lot of 10 to 12 to 16 footers. And so he didn't make any of them. I thought he'd make like one of them and then maybe get on a nice little run. He didn't make any of them. So that was the problem there. But man, he ruined our Thursday and he ruined our Sunday. Not cool, Rory. Not cool. One thing I'll add to that, because one thing I was thinking about as you were breaking that down to it was, you know, the run you've been on was 
unbelievable, right? And we've been hitting for left and right. But the, the first round lunar bet, in reality, not being funny, it's a fun bet. It's, it's something we do fun on Thursday to root for something. And at the end of the day, it's not something, even though we joke about putting your mortgage or whatever, it's not something you actually want to bet a whole lot of money on. But so with that being said, right, if you even can get a sweat out of the first round lunar bet, yeah. it's worth its value, right? You put a couple bucks on it and you're close to hitting big, like, even when it doesn't win – if the guy goes six over and you're nowhere near it, then it's like, oh, that was a waste. But, like, if he gets you down to the 18th hole or gets you down to the last couple holes and you got a shot, right, That you're paying for the excitement. So that's how I look at the first round leaders a lot is just to have some fun on the first hit. And so real quick, because I know we want to get to the course breakdown in a second, but David's in here kind of cheering on uh, team audience. He's going to participate uh, on the audience team today. He did have Rory as a first-round leader, and he says elbow cough. Man, like, listen, David is is a new member of this Win Daily team. He's going to be on this show frequently, you know, not every single episode. We'll have different guests, and sometimes he'll just come in and, and you know, for parts of the show, sometimes he'll be on the entire show. So you'll see him really soon, but um, what a great contributor he already has been, both on the European tour where he's putting picks in to our Discord there. He's eventually going to be putting picks in, like, like actual articles that he's going to post onto the windailysports.com site. For now, getting him sort of acclimated just so everybody knows he will be doing that. But for now, he's putting all of his articles in on, on our Discord research tab. Unfortunately, that's where my article is going to be this week as well. But normally, I will be posting articles. David will be posting articles. We know we have Spencer's T to Green article that comes out tomorrow along with Stephen Pilardi's article. So there's going to be a lot of action as we close this golf season, which we have you know like a, a plenty of time left through August. Um, so I have, there's a lot to look forward to, but I just wanted to give a shout out to David because he, he told us about the wave and he kind of stressed that and he was certainly right on that, but he's been right about a lot of things. I'm super excited to have him on the team. Yeah. I I have to echo that, you know, David's only been with us for a couple of weeks now, Mm -hmm. but in those couple of weeks, he's made a big impact. I mean, he's been spot on, on a lot of plays that he's given us. He gave us some surprise plays that come through. So I'm looking forward to seeing what else uh, David has in store for us. And the last thing I want to say, again, I know we need to move on, but Stephen did have the first round leader pick the week before with with um, Sebastian Munoz. And the reason I'm pointing that out isn't just to say, hey, great pick, Stephen. People don't realize sometimes that that ownership article is not just an ownership article. It's almost like a misnomer when we put it out there as like, hey, the ownership article is coming out. He has picks in there. And he has like really funny text in there and sort of narratives in there um, that you should definitely check out. It is a very comprehensive article outside of the ownership portion. So make sure you look at his picks. They're usually at the bottom under ownership. It's really important. He hits weight. He's kind of humble. And so he's, he, he doesn't advertise it like I do. Like I'm always in your face and we're usually kind of promoting ourselves on Twitter and stuff. Steve's not really that guy. You're only going to know he's hitting the picks if you read his article. So his article comes out tomorrow night. Um, Spencer's article comes out tomorrow. David's insight will be in Discord, the research tab. Um, mine will be as well. So you guys have a lot to read and look forward to over the next few days. Hello to everybody else. Carmen, Ivan, you guys are always in here. I'm sure we're going to have more joined. We've got Lindsay in here already. Uh, let's see. Who did I forget? Zach is in here. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people in here. So um, this is awesome. Squad, thanks for coming back. We appreciate you guys. You guys, the audience, you make our show, Drafting the Last Team. You know, well, if you have a chance, give us a follow. Hit the like button. We're going to get to the draft in a minute. But before we do, Spence, give us that course breakdown for this week. So Colonial Country Club, 7,209 yards, par 70, bent grass greens. The first thing that stuck out to me was the tree line fairways that tend to block second shots from advancing as anything more than a punch out. 
that should naturally make you enhance some combination of either total driving or fairways gain. And we see that point become pronounced a second time when looking at the layout of the facility. Forced layups off the tee will help stretch the distance of the course. And the venue is cut in a fashion to try to make the field plod their way from shot to shot. That means the ability to connect with the short grass off the tee and then dial in your irons into these smaller than average greens will be extremely critical. Uh, but unfortunately, and, and I say that unfortunately because I'm not somebody that puts a bunch of putting into my model, this does turn a little bit into a putting contest. I think there's ways that you can build it that it's not going to be 100% a putting contest, but uh, let's talk about it for a second. So Colonial is essentially a three-step setup where the first part of the process is to make sure you find the short grass, as I said. That doesn't necessarily mean accuracy drivers because of the forced layups where the field will club down. But golfers that can find fairways will immediately position themselves for a better opportunity to strike. The second portion will come down to iron play and hitting a high percentage of greens in regulation. Uh, from my model, I eliminated anything from 200 plus yards because of the reduction we see here versus a typical track. But because the surface is small, yet still hard to get close for even the best iron players, hitting a high percentage of those greens will give you your best chance. And then the last step of the equation is going to be the putting that I mentioned. So in my model, that put us in this new spot where I had my driving number to get the first portion, the approach play to avoid trouble and create better looks, and then the putting that will take all those opportunities created and figure out who would be most likely to not only create the look, but then possibly make the putt when we added in the sheer number of chances that were going to be produced. So, uh, you know, if you looked at my model this week, I have a hundred percent weight on strokes gain total. That is not quite the way it sounds because there is no around the green and that's a reweighted category where it's taking all of those things, bent grass putting the off the tee, the approach game, and it's just rounding everything into one number and spitting out a total. But it was a really unique bottle I built this week. And that's one of my ways that I'm trying to get around some of the putting contests of this. I love it. I love it. I love it. Listen to that back. Before you build your lines, you really should be taking in the course setup, uh, the course breakdown, understand what you're looking for this week, because that's that's where you get your edge. That's how we that's why we do shows like this. That's how we take advantage of some of these larger DraftKings fields and things like that. So with all that being said, uh, just want to send a friendly reminder, everyone, that, yes, I did win last week. And so I chose the order. And so the order for tonight is going to be, audience, listen, I have so little confidence in your guys' drafting ability <laughs> that I'm more than happy to put you guys first in the drafting spot because I know you're going to mess it up. So it's going to leave plenty of value back for me in the back end to take you guys down. So it's going to go audience, Sia, Spencer, and myself. Audience, you are officially on the clock. I'm going to pull up the draft board and let's get this going. So put in your nominations now. You know, you only obviously you only did in one pick with the first. On the way back, you'll have two. So when it's on your turn on the way back, you'll get the extra nominations in so we can get both of your picks in in a timely fashion. Um, so gracious of you, Joel, putting in the audience first. <laughs> well, me and the audience still haven't recovered from Decagate. Um, I, I, I was fully blamed for the situation that was not my fault so we have some healing to do for sure all right so we have some nominations in here already but it looks like oh we have it okay so um abraham answer is the first pick uh on the pga Draftcast for the charles schwab challenge uh that was supported by both david and ivan so uh i mean 
let me Spencer, let me go to you here. I mean, this does seem like a pretty good course fit for Abraham answer. I think my big hang up with him relative to some of the people around him is that maybe he doesn't have the the upside that some of the guys around him do, but do you disagree with that? A little bit. So I have an outright ticket on him. So I'm going to say that I think there might be a little bit more upside than you do see but mm-hmm. he ranks third in my model when I tried to mimic this venue uh, to the stats that I put in there. I like his numbers. There's only seven players in this field that grade inside the top 40 in the three main categories. So that would be like the good drive percentage at difficult courses with uh, difficult hit fairways. That would be the proximity totals that I put in from zero to 200 yards. And that would be some of the bent grass putting. So uh, being one of the seven names on there means something to me. And I, I think that there's a little bit of safety there. And I think there is upside. Fair enough. Joel, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I like I like answer here. You know, my concerns with answer earlier in the year were his health. I know he was battling some injuries that he wasn't performing as well. I think he's getting some of that back. Um, I think he's I think there's a lot of upside. I like answer this week. My concern for the answer for this week is I do think he's a little overpriced. I would have rather have seen him maybe in the mid eights, uh to high eights. I think I like answer most as a value play in a bigger field, typically. But I do think he has he has some upside this week. So overall, I think it's a good pick. Well, I want to thank the audience because I believe it's my pick next. And I think there's two guys. I I think there's two guys that are, for me, the lead to win this tournament. And I'm going to take the one that I think is actually going to win the tournament. And he's been so good here. He's like been web at Wyndham good. Let me give you the last five years. Second, 10th, 8th, 32nd, and 2nd. Uh, he had a 34th at the PGA Draft. Guess you already know who I'm talking about. He was second at the Byron Nelson. By the way, to the extent you're like, yeah, but he can't putt. I agree. But you know where he can putt? Here. Look at his putting stats here. They're immaculate. So I'm going to assume he's going to rebound with the putter like he did at the Byron Nelson. And I'm going to assume the ball striking is going to stay great. It's, uh, you know, relatively speaking, a home game. Give me Jordan Spieth. He's winning this whole thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously his history here speaks for itself. And, you know, I was really high. We were all really high on Jordan Spieth last week. Yep. Um, he burned us a little bit last week. But if you look a deeper look, you know, he really didn't play that poorly. It was a tough course. He he struck the ball well. I mm-hmm. still think signs point to him having a successful week. So I like that bit. Yeah, I, yep. I, I like it also. I, I have nothing negative to say about Jordan. I think that this is a good course for him. We've seen it historically. And the putter here has always been good. That's the only thing holding him back recently. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so, Spencer, it's on you, buddy. So, <laughs> I heard Webb Simpson at the Wyndham. And, uh, I mean, Webb, oh, wow. Simpson, Webb Simpson at the Charles Schwab. <laughs> did i did i did i go with table talk and, and tip the scales here I, I shouldn't do that no so he, here's the thing with webb simpson that i like and i think there is some volatility but at, and we've talked about this and i know this isn't like the most strong field of all time it is a good tournament i mean you have the defending or you have the uh winner of last week's tournament you have scotty scheffler who's been the best player in the world you have you know morikawa and hovland and all these guys at top so you have a lot to like about this field, but we kept saying when Webb was either in the low $8,000 range or in the high $7,000 range that as soon as we saw any form of life, he was going to be back to $9,000. And he didn't quite get there. It's $8,700, but he's fifth in my model when trying to mimic this course. We know he's good on bent grass screens. 
he's 12th in my model in weighted good drive percentage and inside the top 10 in weighted proximity. I'm going to take Webb Simpson. I think this is going to be a good Webb week and a good course for him. Well, I can tell you who agrees with you is David because he's pulling a full Lindsay. I mean, he's not going exclamation points, but he's going a lot of O's in capital letters with the no. <laughs> so uh, big supporter there, which, which certainly gives him a bump in my book as well. So I, I don't mind. I think you're right. I think we're, we're I think you're, you're correct me if I'm wrong. You, you're, we're still early on Webb Simpson. Um, but, and therefore we're catching him at a good time. Right, Spencer? I think we're early on him because the ownership has still not caught up yet. The price is getting closer to catching up, but the ownership isn't quite where it should be yet, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All right. I like it. I like it. I um, I agree with you. I think I, I would have liked Webb a lot more, maybe at the low 8K range at this point, and we knew this was coming, but you're right. With Webb Simpson back, he's – you know, he could easily be in the 9K range as an elite golfer. So he looks to be healthy. He's playing well. I think he'll certainly compete this week. Um, now, the, the two guys who I was planning on probably taking with the first two picks are still here. So I get them both at four, which I'm really excited about. And the first one, a guy I really love this week is Max Homa. Um, I've already seen some people talking about him in the chat. He's just been on fire. Um, yeah. He's been playing really well, and that's not in the short term. That has been over an extended period of time, which is why I really like him. And then to polish that off, he's also, you know, based on his metrics, looks really good, of course, fit for this course. Now, his course history is not great. He missed the cut. He had tied for 27th, and he missed the cut in 2015. But he's a different golfer now than he's been then. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking that into account. And then if I actually look into um, his ball striking, I mean – He's been an elite ball striker since March. I mean, really elite. The, the one hiccup, the Masters, which we don't have all the data on. But other than that, uh, he's been really special. He's, and he can do, you know, doesn't have too much of a weakness in his game. So uh, at 9,400, uh, I'm okay with that price. He's another one where I, I, I probably would have preferred him in the high eights, but I'm okay to pay up with his current form. And my next pick is I'm sticking to form. Uh, I'm hoping he has a short memory, and it's Mito Pereira. I mean, listen, we saw Mito play absolutely great last week, and for the same reasons I like Max Homer, the same reasons I like Mito Pereira. He's, you know, the metrics that matter for this course, Mito excels in. His ball striking has been elite. He'll find fairways. If he makes putts, which he, you know, has made some putts recently, he can really compete this week. And then to get them at 8,600, um, I think it's just a really good number for, for the way he's been playing. So to throw this out there about Mito, because I think Mito is going to be an interesting case study this week. If you look primarily at the numbers, I think he's one of the better plays on the board. And I think because, and, and I've used this example before, so this is probably something you've heard me say, take an NFL game, take a Sunday night football game or a Monday night game. And the team falls flat on their face in front of everybody. Nobody wants to play them the next week. Everybody wants to fade them. And usually it creates value in that sense. So I think based off of that, there's going to be an overcorrection in the market with, I mean, I see him sub 10% right now. I think that he would have been much higher than that, especially if he would have won this tournament and would have and stayed in the contest with it. So I, I like Mito. I, I think he's safe relatively if he can just keep his head on, in, on track here. And uh, he's 10th in my model overall. So there's a lot to like about him. Yeah, I mean, I I think him, Will Zalatoris, and Justin Thomas, you could make like sort of the age-old arguments about why you shouldn't play those guys. I don't really buy into that too much. And and to the extent I do, I still think a guy like Mito could just overcome it because he's been that good. 
Yeah, he's been very good lately. Like the stats look incredible, and and the current form looks great. Mm-hmm. I also put those those that like small like I'm not sure after he just blew the lead he'd go back to him. I put that less of a that negative on him because he's so young and he's you know it's not like he's a guy that's already played half his career and when he blew a tournament like that it's like oh, I don't know how many chances I'll be at a major again right. I think he can put that behind him quicker knowing. This was the begin. This is still the beginning for him, right? He's gonna. Ha- this is gonna keep going on for an on and yeah. on. So I don't think he's gonna be sitting sorely on it for too long. I, I, I think that, that makes sense. Yep. So Spencer, it's already back to you. You started with Webb Simpson. Who's the next pick? So I'm gonna drop down on the board a little bit and go to the seven thousand dollar range. Uh, there is a guy who is right now thirteen percent owned in my model. Uh, just to put it in perspective for where I have him ranked, that creates leverage for me. And it also creates him as one of the better plays in value that I have on the board. And that is Justin Rose at 7,700. Mm-hmm. Three top 20s at this course in his last four attempts. We saw some form from him last week at the PGA Championship with the 13th. And the stats just look really stout across the board. So as I mentioned, there are seven players who fit that mold of what I'm looking for of being in the top 40 and all those things. So answer was one. Webb was another. Uh, I'll stop with Rose here, but Rose is the third that fits that. But uh, I mean, just everything that I want to look, he seems to fit the mold for what I'm looking for. And the way to proximity for me is ace. So I think this is a really good course setup. And there's a reason why he always finds success here. All right. Yeah, I looked at Rose and I looked at his history and I looked at the ball striking last time out and it looked really good. It was I, I can't get over what I saw prior to that. But I, to your point, we know Justin Rose has the pedigree. It's not like this is a situation with like a new golfer where we're not sure what he is. So I'm very scared of Justin Rose, but I absolutely get. And by the way, can you tell me what's the ownership tracking like on Justin? It's 13.2% right now. So to put that into perspective next to everybody else, that would make him the 14th highest owned player. So I think that's fine. I like it would have to, I mean, he'd have to probably be 18 to 20% for me to start thinking otherwise. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I'll go ahead and make my pick. So I I said from the outset that I thought there were two guys that were going to win this tournament and I'm going to take the second of the two. I got the one. So if I get the other one, I've got the winner in my lineup, right? It's kind of like an autoplay, right? Um, This is going to force me into a stars and scrubs build for the most part, which I don't mind quite as much for the following reason. Let's not forget there's 119 people in this field. It was 120, and then, then I think Bryson withdrew. Maybe there's somebody filling in his spot, probably. So 120, let's say. Top 65 in ties make it. This is invitationals status, so you don't have the full field. With that said, you're going to have more, you know, from a percentage standpoint, more people making the cut. So I think there is the potential, especially on a course like this, where it's kind of a shorter course, positional off the tee. You know, a lot of guys can kind of surprise and and come up from the depths of the 6K and low 7K range. So I suppose from a tournament standpoint, I'm a little bit more comfortable taking a guy in the low end. So I'll take two guys in the high end to start. Jordan Spieth, and Victor Hovland. I got them both on my team. I got a couple scrubs that I'm probably going to be okay with. I love this start. I, I really like Hovland this week. I think this is a course, you know, I think I'm for me personally, I'm realizing that Hovland to me is becoming a very course specific type guy. I think those courses that are very challenging around the greens, it's hard to play him. Mm-hmm. But this isn't one of them. And if he can get hot with that ball striking like we've seen him do, He is tough to beat. So I think it's a really solid pick. I'm going to be really high on Hovland as well. Yeah. And I think there's a perception about Hovland that he's just been kind of marginal over the last, you know, 24 rounds or so. And, and, 
to some extent, by Bahavlin standards, maybe that's true. But if you just look at the last 24 rounds, which I understand is a short sample size, he's second in approach on this, in this field. He's 15th off the tee. He's 11th in greens and regulation gained. It really is, to your point, Joel, it's the around the green game that, that's really the oh, he's third ball striking. The around the green game, he's like really bad. He's 109th, which is almost dead last in this field. But again, if the around the green game isn't a big issue here, which is the assumption we're all making based on previous data and based on the course setup, I think he could really just kind of blast off here. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, we've talked about how around the green is going to be mitigated. And then just to throw out another bet that I like, I normally don't go to the top of the board and take star versus star. But on DraftKings, I did bet Victor Hovland minus 120 over Will Zalatoris. I uh, just wanted to throw that bet out there. Yeah, I like that too. I like Thank that you. too. All right, audience, you are on the clock. And you know what? I've been giving you guys a hard time. I got to give you credit. I am impressed with your speed. Yes. Both your picks are already It's amazing. That is amazing. amazing. So I give you guys a thumbs up. I take back what I previously said. Great job. Harold Varner and Kevin Knott. Um, so I'll start. I'll say, you know, I really like Kevin Knott. I've been high on him for the last couple of weeks. Uh, his ball striking has been really good. I really like that pick. And Varner, uh, I like him. Not as much as not, but I like him too, I think. You know, it's hard to find value in the 7K range. He's, he's a guy who's been really striking the ball well even last week as well. So I think you got two guys coming into it with pretty pretty good form. Can I just say one, and my model loves Kevin Na, so this might be like taking a counter argument that doesn't need to be taken at this point with him. But if we look at Kevin Na's off the tee game, so this would be over his last four tournaments, he is averaging negative 3.08 shots. This is not really a track that he might, I mean, Fairways, accuracy, this is what we're looking for. That's the type of game he has. But even at the RBC Heritage, he found trouble off the tee. So that's my only concern. And that's specifically because we're talking about an 18 to 20% golfer. If he was, you know, 6% owned, I would kind of just take a gamble on it. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's third in my model. It's hard to say anything bad about him based off of that. And, and you know, the one thing that that is a concern, because you, you want to be good off the tee, the one thing that data I was looking at is he's been a little bit better in terms of accuracy than versus like, you know, he's maybe he's not yeah. all that long and things like that. So the more important part is being in the fairway, but yeah, he's not great at that either, but it's just better than, you know, he's, he's short and not accurate, which is not, not a good combo, but, um, but you know, if he finds fairways, which is the more important thing, regardless of how far he puts it out there, he should be okay. He's won yep. at this course before. Obviously he's proven that he can find success here mm -hmm. for sure. All right, Sia, you are on the clock. Wow, already, really? All right, so what's my average? I have 7,400 remaining. Is that right? That is accurate, yep. That's an embarrassment of riches. Wow, I, <laughs> I can go. I thought it was going to be way lower, to be honest with you. I wasn't doing the math. So, man, I think I'm going to have to go with the value play to sort of open up some cash for me. There's a guy that was actually mentioned in the chat. So this is going to feel like a steal by, by one of you. But I like this guy. I like his upside. Um, I like what he's doing on approach, particularly from a recent form standpoint. The ball striking is definitely there for him. Hits a lot of greens in regulation. And he can really pop. Uh, it's Nate Lashley at 7,100. Uh, again, I, I just think that's a super good value, especially when you've got a field where top 65s are, and, and ties are going to make it in a, 
in a 120-person field. I think Nate Lashley is one of those guys that if he makes the cut can have a really good day on a Saturday and Sunday and, and, and really propel your, your team. He His history here is okay, 32nd missed cut, 69th. But let's let's contextualize this. He's Nate Lashley. So we're not expecting like a fourth, a ninth, and a, and a 27th. So I, I think coming off a 32nd last year and knowing that over his last few tournaments, what's interesting about him, he was 11th at – um, Vedanta in Mexico, and then he had to withdraw. And so that was kind of a concern for me when we got to the Byron Nelson, because I'm like, oh, this guy just withdrew with a with an alleged toe injury. And so I didn't play any of them, but he ended up finishing 17th. So whatever that injury was clearly wasn't a big deal. He, he didn't play last week in the PGA Championship. So health is not a concern. I think 7,100 is a nice little number for Nate Lashley. I agree. I think I, I like what I've seen out of him recently. And to get him at that at that number with your first two picks is is solid, uh, and, and you know what, you did a really good job stealing the pick from the audience. So, <laughs> see him back to his old tricks, stealing <laughs> our picks. LOL. What's funny is when somebody I don't know it might have been Ivan who mentioned it in the chat. I was like, all right, that's a guy I actually want. So either they're gonna take it or I'm gonna look really bad <laughs> because I'm gonna look like it. And Zach with the with the wow and Lindsay with the LOL, such a heel move from Zach. This is fantastic. I'm sorry, I, I kind of stole it from you, but I'm telling you. I wanted him on my team. Maybe I did still. Maybe I took him around earlier because I thought you were going to take him. I'm not sure. I got to consult with my subconscious, but that's for another day. See, I did say before the show that he likes partnering with the audience some shows so that he can figure out what pick you guys like so he can steal them. So that's, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Sorry, yeah. guys. <laughs> All right, Spence, you are on the clock. All right. Um, so with my first pick here before it gets back to me trying to figure out the best way to do this and try to figure this out so i am going to take in this might i mean he's popular but it might come as a shock to some people but um i'm gonna take tony finau at 9100 i really like his numbers and i like how he plays at this tournament so when we look since 2017 four top 29 finishes I know the drawback that is probably going to be said, or at least I'd imagine most people would think is that, you know, this is not the 7,900 version that we got of him last week to where maybe that win equity or lack of win equity, you know, doesn't matter as much just because the price tag is so cheap, but I like it. He's sixth in my model. I think he has a good form of safety and, and the form is turning around a little bit more than everybody realizes. Yeah, I mean, the it, the ball. Sorry, Joel. I was going to say the ball striking has been good for a while. It's really the yeah. short game that's been a problem for him, at least like kind of like in the last, you know, I don't know, two, three, four months. Uh, Joel, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I agree. I like the way he's trending. He's been really improving of recent. Um, I agree. I think you said you said it really well. I, you know, it's he they really adjusted his price for this week for this tournament. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of upside in this field, so I, I think it's a strong play. Uh, by the way, Courtney just joined us. Courtney Harden. He says, hey, PGA DraftCast. And we got, see, this is so cool. This is like a community feel, right? Because as soon as he jumps in and says, hey, to the DraftCast, you got Edward who pipes in and says, hey, Courtney. Zach says, sup. Like, this is like, right? I mean, like, I'm I'm not even trying to play this up because like, I'm we're doing this show. Like, this feels kind of cool. When somebody joins, they're like, oh, hey, what's up, Courtney? How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. I like this. Uh, I like this field. Courtney, you've got three more picks to make with the audience, so you're not too late here. There's a really good relationship between everybody besides Joel with the audience and Sia <laughs> stealing the picks from the audience. That's where yeah. like the point of contention comes in. Yeah, that's right. 
Sorry, Listen, everybody. The audience's chemistry is improving. Their teams are getting better. I'm getting concerned. I'm getting the concerned. audience, <laughs> I, I want to point this out. The audience for, I'd have to go look, but like the last probably four weeks to six weeks, I've liked almost every single lineup that they have made. And I like the start to their lineup this week. I, I think that they're doing a very good job. Ever since I sort of, made the comment, well, I don't win as much because I'm often partnering with the audience team because we'll have like a guest on. Ever since I made that comment, they've been really good. Yeah. So clearly bulletin board material. I don't know why you're mad at me for stealing because you should be thanking me for motivating every single one of you in this chat to come up with better picks. So apology accepted and you're welcome. Joel. All right. All right. Well, I am back up. Um, they're, the guys I was targeting for this pick are still available, which I'm very excited about. My first pick, I'm going with Davis Riley. So as you can tell, the theme of my draft is very much so honing in on recent form. And Davis Riley has uh, been lights out. I mean, in the last two tournaments, he's been gaining. He's been ball striking. He's been unbelievable. He was amazing off the tee at the PGA Championship. Um you know, with him, for me, as long as he can – if he continues the the great ball striking we've seen of him in recent form and he puts a few putts in this week, uh, I think he can certainly continue at the top. And, you know, again, I'm taking a little bit different strategy. I think a lot of people are going more stars and scrubs. I'm trying to be very balanced this week uh, where I'm finding guys like Riley and, and Mito to, to form out. And with my second pick, I'm sticking on that theme. Um, I'm going with a guy who now maybe less recent form but more has just – a great history at this course, and that is going to be Brian Harmon at 7,800. Uh, Brian Harmon, in his last five outings here, was tied for eighth, 23rd, 31st, 14th, and 7th. Uh, and his form hasn't been poor. He was 34th at the PGA Championship, 9th at the Wells Fargo. So a guy who likes this course, um, while also in pretty decent form, uh, at 7,800 is how I'm gonna, where I'm going to go here. Yeah, that was Nick's favorite play when we talked on the Better Golf podcast. I, I know he's going to, that's going to be the hammer kid play for a top 40. And uh, all the reasons why you mentioned were why he was on him, too. Yeah, I liked, I liked Riley. Oh, I didn't like Riley last week. I, I like him a lot this week. Part of the reason I didn't like him last week was because I thought his approach game was just a little, you know, suspect. And then I watched the PGA championship and he's sticking everything to like four feet. I'm like, what is going on here? This guy is the real deal. It's, it's another one of the, these young guns that like, we're going to talk about a month from now being like, Oh, I guess this is another one of the rising stars. So I, I love the Davis Riley pick. All right, guys, I will give the next selection here. Um, so my model believes that this player should have been $8,500 and not $7,100. That's a massive difference. I usually don't get that large of discrepancies, but uh, from a statistical perspective, I, I think that like you can hear it on the better golf show, but I like him for a top 40. He's trending with back-to-back -to -back top 25 finishes. Think of Harbor town and these venues where he has found success in the past. And it kind of starts to give this picture of a golfer with not only built-in floor, but perhaps more safety. And that golfer is Stuart Sink for me. So mm. he's one of the guys, and he is the one outlier from the list of that group of seven that fits inside the top 40 of all those stats. So uh, I'm really happy to get Sink, and it puts me in a position now to where I don't know what I'm going to do because I wanted to probably have Abraham answer in my lineup. So I'm going to go a different route with it, and, and we'll see how it ends up playing out. But uh, I like Sink a lot. Yeah. I mean, he certainly flashed last week. We know he's 
last year, what did he win? Back-to-back tournaments, was it? Or he won two tournaments within like a, a one-month span. Um, everything you said about him certainly makes sense to me. Yeah, I align. I, I think he's, for value in this tournament, almost at the 6K range, the way he's been playing, especially what we saw from him last week, I think it's a solid pick. Thanks. So this is this is where it's going to probably go off the rails for me. I mean, to some degree, you might have thought it went off the rails with uh, Nate Lashley. But I think I'm going to go super low here. I'm just kind of buying time to debate. I what hope I you don't do take here. my guy. Well, see, here's the here's the problem I'm having is that there's a lot of these young guys that I really like that in a field like this, I'm not so sure they're good enough to make the cut. And so I'm debating two guys that are either 6,500 or below. And one, I just have to take a second look at. And so while I buy some time, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with, wow, this is pretty impressive. At 6,500, I've been on this guy for a while and it's been pretty good to me. It hasn't been great, but it's been good. I'm going to go with Brandon Wu-Tang Clan, 6,500. Let's give it a shot. The approach game, uh, well, at the Byron Nelson, it wasn't good at all. Uh, his putter was great. His putter has typically been great. In fact, three of the last four measured events, he's gained four or more putting. And you might think, okay, well, that's not exactly what I, the stat line I want to be following, a hot putter. But the approach game, other than the Byron Nelson, he's pretty much been a gainer. At the Mexico Open at Vedante, he gained over five strokes. Valspar, he gained 1.6. This is on approach only. Honda Classic, which was kind of way back in February, 2.16. I think this guy is just good enough to potentially make the cut. In the 6,500, I was going to go with another guy that was even lower than that, but the 6,500 gives me a lot of space to do some things uh, with my last two picks. My model likes him. I, I, I actually didn't look much into him this week, but my model does like him a lot. Awesome. It's good to hear. To be honest with you, I haven't looked at him at all to know if I like him or not. <laughs> but if you guys like him, I'm on board. <laughs> all right, audience, you are on the clock. Um, I love you're already getting your nominations in. Let's see. <laughs> no official picks yet. It looks like the yeah. first nomination was a lot of nominations. Oh, okay. So, no, we still don't have one. All right, we're going to need some. You guys might need to scroll. Oh, there we go. Okay, so am I right? Yeah, Chris Kirk. Both Courtney Harden and David have selected Chris Kirk. So you're going to need to select another guy. But listen, I don't have any problem with Chris Kirk. I loved him last week at 6,900. I like him this week at 7,900. He's been ball striking it great. The putter can absolutely get hot. I, I don't know of an argument against him. Any, any of you want to offer one? Um, I mean, I guess ownership, if you want to go down that mm. route, just if he's going to be 15%, and I do think he possesses a little bit of volatility, but no, he has like top 10 equity in this field. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. He, I was planning to take him with my next pick, so so I like it. Wow, okay, cool. Um, So we need another pick from them, right? We okay, do. we got nominations coming in. Well, <laughs> Stephen wants to nominate Kirk again. He's already on your team. <laughs> um, we've got a we got four big names, but none of them have or three big names and one marginal name that none of them have been backed. I can say one of those guys I really want to take. I'm just gonna 
I'm just going to put that out there for you guys because you're going to think I stole them in a second. <laughs> uh, uh, wow. Okay, so we need backing of any of those guys that you've mentioned. I'll just say them out loud. Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, JJ Spawn, Tommy Fleet. Oh, there it is. Sam Burns. Oh, Lindsay with the please, please, please plus approximately seven exclamation points. It is Sam Burns. What does that leave them? 7,200? Yeah. Oh, they're going to be so mad at me. They are going to be so mad at me because at that price, there's a guy that I'm pretty positive I'm taking. Yeah, I'm definitely taking. Uh, so it's on me. So I'm going to make this a uh, true Stars and Scrubs lineup. Has the following player been drafted? Tommy Fleetwood. No, I don't think so either. Give me Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, listen, I'm late to the party on Tommy Fleetwood. I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, I just, I love, I love what he's been doing lately, especially with the approach game. I mean, listen, I'm counting seven tournaments where he's, he's gained on approach six out of the last seven. He's gaining around the green. If you want to value that in any particular way, he's gaining with the putter. He's gaining off the tee. He gained in every metric last week. And you might be like, oh, that's great. He's in good form. Finally. No, that's, that's what he's been doing. So Tommy Fleetwood is a guy at, at 8,800 that I think kind of has some win equity here. And I, I think he certainly has some, I'm going to score big in DK equity. If you are going to value the approach game and the putter, and you know, he can get hot with both. Uh, I don't see, I'm surprised he's still here to be honest with you. I'm a little surprised. He's still there. Also. Um, I have no arguments against Fleetwood this week. Cool. All right, Spencer. I guess I will openly talk about the position I'm in right now. Um, trying to figure out if it, I mean, I guess like I will make the decision and then depending on what that decision is, I, I mean, I guess I could screw myself with Joel a little bit, but uh, here's the routes I'm considering. So it would either be Sam Burns at 9,700, maybe a Christian Bezadenhout or Tom Hoagie. Um, the other route would be I'll go to the guy who won last week at with Justin Thomas and go down to the very bottom of the board and play Luke Donald. I think that's a fun little way to play it. I think Donald has a little bit of made cut potential here. And then the other route is the one I'm leaning towards, which is why I haven't said that one yet. Um, just because I don't want to give both guys away. Um, why are you saying that Luke Donald at mid price considering the approach game? I mean, there's a couple guys. Can I just say this? Because I don't think it's going to affect this draft because we've sort of already kind of figured out, people have figured out at this point in the draft what their next picks are going to be to some degree in terms of price ranges. You know who else is 6K other than Luke Donald, who is probably a pretty good course fit? Adam Shank. Now, if yeah. you look at Adam Shank's metrics, you're going to be like, ah, I mean, okay. But you you would still be like, well, he's not 6,000. He should be like 6,600 or something. And and if you look at his finishing positions over the last four or five tournaments, it does not speak to a 6K golfer. So there's some guys way down there that I think are very, very interesting. I think it's a really fun tournament from a GPP. It's like I, I think it's like we've talked about this in past weeks. That it's not so simple. Like even last week, when you look, like I was struggling to figure out how to make a lineup. There was no way that we could have gone, no matter what the picks are. And there's a lot of names that have been taken that I wanted. There was always ways to go around it and, and find ins and outs with it. But I guess I'm not going to play Luke Donald as much as I would like to. And um, I just need to now figure out which guy I want to take first here. So um, I guess I will take Colin Morikawa at 10,700. 
Uh, very good course history here with two top 14 finishes. I know the results have been a little bit all over the place, but I'm going to trust my model. He's number one overall. Uh, offshore markets don't really love him, but uh, I'm going to trust my math here. All right. I like Morikawa this week. You know, from a GPP perspective, I think the ownership should be low. Uh, and, you know, if he gets one of those weeks where he's finding every pin with his ball striking, he should, you know, find one of those. He could certainly win the tournament, obviously. So uh, I align with you there. I, uh, I'm i going to wrap us up here. Uh, I'm actually taking a different finish in my draft because the guys I wanted to take were mainly taken. So I'm going to change the route I'm going with this pick. I'm going to take a risk with my first pick in Daniel Berger. Um, you know, the risk is I'm not sure how healthy he is. And I know, I guess I do attract the withdraws. I, that, <laughs> you guess? <laughs> He's definitely a candidate for that this week. Um, he wasn't great last week, but at 9K, I think there's value. I think this is a guy who can win this tournament. He has a good course history here. Um, and I, I just think he's underpriced. And, and, and if he is healthy, I think he can come through. He, all of his metrics certainly line he'll find fairways. He's really good on approach. He's won this tournament in 2020, in top 2021. So um, the risk is his health. But I think if he's healthy, he certainly has the upside. And then to round out my team, I'm going to go with the guy who started off the week really strong last week. Didn't finish all that strong, but I think he's in good form. And this is a, a course that certainly should suit him. And that's Kevin Strillman. Um, you know, in the 6,800, he's certainly a good value under 7K. Uh, his ball striking is there. So if we can come up this week and, and have a good week striking the ball, I think um, he can certainly get me that top 20 or 15 to round up my roster. Yeah, I, I, I like Strillman. I, I think he's a savvy play this week. Um I obviously could not have afforded him. And I was hoping that you would make this decision a little bit easier for me because the two guys I'm looking at, and I'm obviously a glut for punishment at this point. I don't know how many times I can take this guy on the show and he hasn't made the cut one time. That would be the Gim Reaper at 6,700. The other one I am considering would be Lucas Glover at 6,700. And I still haven't discounted the possibility of just leaving a whole bunch of money on the table and playing Luke Donald. He's 11th in my model. When looking at weighted proximity, I guess what I'll do is, is I do have a plus 400 ticket on him to come top 40. So I'll get my exposure that way. And for about the 12th time in 15 weeks and all the missed cuts that have come into play lately for him, I will take Doug Gim at $6,700. If it's any consolation, I, I like Gim, but if I didn't take Streelman, the next guy I was going to take was Glover. So that's, those are who I was weighing a guy that a guy I also liked as well in this range. Well, I wish he would have done that because then I would have at least felt better about the situation. Because <laughs> I, I, I like Glover. I, I think he makes a lot of sense in this tournament. The course history has been great recently. Sure. I like it. All right. You know what else I like to do? I like to steal the audience picks. They already know I'm doing it. That's the funny thing. Five minutes ago, they predicted this. However, I do want to say this. On the first cut on Monday... I gave out this guy as a pick. So I'm just putting it out there that I, I'm not that I was first to market, but before any of these comments were happening and before I talked to David and David did message me, some of the guys he liked on late on Monday night, I had already put out a pick for JJ spawn on the first cut. So JJ spawn is going to round out my lineup. I know it looks like a steal. I know it feels like a steal, but in fact, it's not a steal. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. I know this concerns you. I already see it in the chat. 
I'm very sorry. You should have taken him earlier. Listen, I, like JJ Spawn isn't some like amazing play. There were other guys I was thinking of. Adam Long was in the conversation. I even thought about dipping low and taking like a guy like Kurt Kitayama, but that would have meant I probably wouldn't have taken somebody like Brandon Wu, for example. But he's been Spawn has been really good on approach. He's been good off the tee as well. The putter has really gotten in his way, and that absolutely could be a problem here. But I'm just going to hope that the approach is good enough to give him enough opportunities inside eight feet that the the, the, the putter can be both good and bad and he can make the cut and make a charge on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, there's nothing to say at this point. See, it's just like larceny. (laughs) I mean, I was already, see, that's the thing. When I said I was going to take Tommy Fleetwood, I was calculating, okay, what's that going to leave me? And I'm like, okay, I'm good. And then I saw everybody talking about JJ spot in the chat. I'm like, uh Oh, I even even considered taking somebody like Adam long just to like appease the audience, but I, I prefer spawn over long. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, audience, you are the last pick of the draft. Get your nominations in. I uh, think, what, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think the audience just, just nominated a guy that probably is a better pick than JJ spawn. I'm, I'm not going to say which one, which one of those guys it is, but I, I genuinely think uh, one of these guys that was nominated like has a real good shot to have an impact. I'm curious what you guys think. <laughs> I wonder who has more steals, Ricky Henderson or Sia. <laughs> uh, it's probably me at this point. If, if it's not, give me another show and I'll probably eclipse it. All right. We only have, let's see, everybody's talking about me stealing. You, we've only have two nominations, one from Courtney and one from Jesse. Jesse, thanks for joining the show. Longtime fan, even before it was the PGA Draftcast. So happy you're here. Uh, Ivan, Lindsay, we're going to need – David, we're going to need nominations from you. And Zach. Oh, and Steven as well. What do we got? Everybody's still talking. Oh, okay. There's another – nom. oh, we got it, right? Yeah. That was the one I was talking about. I actually really like the Brendan Todd pick. Uh, Joel, any thoughts there? He seems like a good course fit. I agree. I think at the value you're getting – uh, he should find a lot of fairways. Uh, I think you're getting a good value here with your last pick. Spencer? Yeah, I I like – I mean, if we're comparing, like, apples to apples here, I would rather play Brendan Todd than J.J. Spawn. Not that Ouch. There's, not, Ouch. There, there's not a huge difference. I mean, we're talking a very minor uh, discrepancy between the two, but I a lot of that comes down to ownership. He's half the ownership, and the yeah. upside of my model likes him a little bit more, but I, I think it's two guys that make sense to fit into lineups. So I, I don't think Brendan Todd is, you know, a bad end of the consolation prize. I, I love it. I love it. Guys, I, audience, you guys drafted a great team, but let us know, you know, drop in the chat, drop on Twitter. Let us know which team you think is the best. Give us your vote. We'll see who ends up being the winner at the end of the week, but we're not done yet. So we did add a segment, which, um, was a great idea that we're going to continue to do, which is the biggest surprise wasn't drafted. While we, we go through that, you know, like we said, please, please don't forget to also give us a follow, smash the like button. It goes a long way. I'll get us started off. I'm not going to go with any of the obvious. Obviously, it's surprising that Scheffler and some of the top guys didn't get drafted, but I'm going to go with uh, Sebastian Munoz, who was someone who I was targeting, who's been playing really well. Uh, he just didn't fit for my salary-wise in my draft, but I was surprised he didn't get taken at all this week. How about you, Spence? I probably would have given the same answer. So just to be different so I can throw somebody else out there. I don't know if I'm necessarily shocked he didn't get taken, but uh, Tom Hoagie, mm-hmm. he's about 15%. Um, I know the course history hasn't been great, but 
uh, just from an ownership perspective, that doesn't, that sh I guess is a little bit more surprising than some of the other names. Yeah. A, a couple, I, I don't want to say this guy surprised me because he doesn't usually, especially when you're talking about like an approach course and more pre precision, this guy doesn't get drafted, but I, Spencer, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's getting respect in the betting market because I noticed in DraftKings, this guy, I believe was 17th sort of, you know, in the tier of players and in the betting market, he was 12th on DraftKings. He's a guy that Steven Pilardi liked a lot last week. Uh, got the bad end of the draw, still made the cut barely. Uh, it's Billy Horschel. I think Billy Horschel's a really sneaky player. If I'm going to go with like some super like low-end guys, I think Kitayama is interesting. And I think Austin Smotherman, who has a great approach game and a yeah. great putter uh, at times, is, is a really smart play at 6,300. But uh, Spencer, I did want to ask you about Billy Horschel. What do you think? Yeah, the offshore markets like him. I, I noticed that also, and and I really like the Smotherman play. That like I know I mentioned Glover and Gim and Donald, but Smotherman would be the other name. So like the two biggest discrepancies in my model when looking at pricing, number one is Luke Donald. Number two is Austin Smotherman. And then just to throw out another person that I guess I'm a little surprised didn't get taken. At least I don't believe they got taken was Jason Kokrak, defending champion, third mm -hmm. place here in 2020. A uh, little surprising. Yeah. Interesting. Agree. Interesting. All right. That's a wrap for the draft. Great job. We're not done yet. Before we head out, we still have our outright tickets, our first round leaders. Let's dive right into it. We'll start in the outright market. I'll get this off. My bad. No worries at all. See it while you're at it, while you're getting that off. Do you want to, well, let Spencer kick us off for who are you looking at for the outright market? So I bet Colin Morikawa at 18 to one on FanDuel. Abraham answer 40 to one on DraftKings. I grabbed Webb Simpson at 48 to one on FanDuel. That number has dropped a little bit overnight. Justin Rose, 65 to one. And as everybody can kind of tell with the answers I've given on him, there's some mixed bag feelings I have, but I did bet Kevin Knott 60 to one. It's kind of why I'm hesitant. Like I, I like him. My model likes him. I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to ignore that off the tee stuff. And, and for me, I'm going to try to get my exposure on an outright ticket. Cause I do think that there is some win potential from him, but uh, at 60 to one, I thought that was a good number. I love it. I love it. See, how about you? Who you got in the outright market? So I'm working on that now. Usually I don't give out like five outrights just because um, I'll give out like a couple just because I, I, I like, I love to live bet some of these guys. Um, I think Sam Burns at, at 30 to one is pretty solid. I think Tommy Fleetwood at 40 to one is pretty solid. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm tempted to say Davis Riley at 50 or Ryan Palmer at 70. I don't think I'm there yet with them. So I'll, I'll go Ryan Palmer at 70. So I'll give three out right now. Sam Burns, Tommy Fleetwood, and Ryan Palmer. If I could restructure my card, and I don't know exactly what that restructuring would entail. I, I guess it would be removing Kevin Na and maybe just allocating the units a little bit differently. I really like Sam Burns this week. He's number mm -hmm. one in my model from an upside perspective. Uh, he's a player that I think for DraftKings and just for different game types, like for GPPs, uh, there's a lot to like about him. Yep. Interesting. Uh, I have, I got four uh, outright plays, two Hail Marys, Haymakers, and two more realistic shots. Uh, my big Hail Mary is my last pick, Kevin Stroman at 200 to one. That's a wildly big number, I think, for someone who, who can certainly compete this week. So, uh, you know, while I don't think he's likely to win, I think just 200, you're getting a number for a couple bucks. It's worth having some fun with. 
The other one at 100 to 1 is Patrick Reed. I think we're starting to see Reed come back. I, I think he's been showing some of that form. It's going to take one week where he competes top five or 10 before his price goes all the way up. I think this number is too large for his upside and what I've been seeing out of him recently, which is a lot of improvement. So at 100 to 1, I like Patrick Reed. And then on the more realistic side, at 20 to 1, I really like Victor Hovland and 25 to 1, Max Homer. Yeah, Hovland's the other guy where if the card would have gone a little bit differently, like I decided to get my exposure on him against Will Zalatoris, but uh, I, I like the Hovland pick too. All right, all right. Now, will we make our money the first round leader? Spence, why don't you get us off here? Who you got in the first round leader market? Yeah, so I just threw these together at the very end of the show. I, I didn't have pricing out uh, that I was looking at, but I have four I'm going to give out. So Stuart Sink, 80 to 1 on DraftKings. I love Sam, that. Sam Burns, 35 to 1. Webb Simpson, 45 to 1. And then I want to get some exposure to Luke Donald, 200 to 1 on DraftKings. I love it. I yeah. love it. Um, I just have a couple. I like as, a, as my longer shot at 90 to 1. I like Lucas Clover as your first round leader. Uh, I also like Joel Dahman at 90 to 1. And then up top at the more realistic level of guys, uh, I, I like taking a shot on Sam Burns. Everyone likes him in the outright market. I think it's similar. I think you're getting a good number on him there at 35 to 1. All right. See, so talk to us. Where are we taking it to the bank this week? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I'm def I've definitely decided on four of them. The fifth one, the odds are kind of short. I feel like it needs to be shopped around a little bit. I'm going again for the second tournament in a row with, with a couple guys that are a touch shorter than I like. I usually like to take 50 to one or longer, but I'm going to go with at least two guys that are shorter than 50 to one. And then two guys that are longer. And one guy in the middle that I, I don't think the number's right. It doesn't feel right to me. So Sam Burns at 35 to one. I'll just start there. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood at 40 to one. Cameron Tringali is the guy that 45 to one doesn't seem like a great number for him. I thought I was going to see like 55 or, or maybe something like 60 for Tringali, but it's 45 for some reason. So that's the one I'm kind of unsure about. I'll give out Nate Lashley, uh, the audience's pick. Too soon? Too soon, audience? Maybe a little bit. Uh, yeah, Nate Lashley at 130 to one. So, okay. So if you're upset about the, uh, you know, the stealing fiasco that may or may not have just happened, Put a first round leader on him. We can cheer him together at least for the first round. Um, I don't know if I want to make this guy the breaking news or not. Okay, so Ryan Palmer at fifty five to one is is my last pick. So it's Burns, it's Fleetwood, Tringali, Palmer, Lashley. I may take Tringali out, but the breaking news: the guy that's definitely of those five, the guy that's definitely going to be the first round leader, and all these other guys are going to finish in second place. It's Tommy Fleetwood. He's just striking it too well. So 40 to one, it's a little shorter than I want for a first round leader, kind of gimmicky play as people like to call it that, you know, we hit at like a 90% rate, but uh, Tommy Fleetwood 40 to one, that's the breaking news. He is going to be your first round leader at the Charles Schwab Invitational come Thursday evening. You're welcome. There it America. is. It's a lock. Lock it in. Fleetwood is the already decided first round leader. Lock it in. And, and I would say, I thought it was really nice of you. After stealing all the audience picks, you offered an olive branch to allow you guys to celebrate together on Thursday. That's right. And everybody, you're welcome. I don't see any thank yous. I, the chat must be broken. But I interesting, David, thanks for chiming in on the international markets. Tringali's is first-round leader 76s on the international mar market. So obviously 45 is a terrible number. So what I'll do is I'm going Burns, Fleetwood, Palmer, Lashley. 
And I'm going to update the fifth guy on Twitter um, who's going to finish in a tie for first or in second place. So look out for that tomorrow night. Um, little suspense, everybody. But uh, those are my first round leaders. Cliffhanger, that's a wrap. Well, now you have to follow us on Twitter if you want to find out who it's going to be. Hit the like button. I got nothing else for you guys tonight. Did I forget anything? See ya. Well, you know, it's the Charles Schwab challenge. And anytime you think challenge, what do you guys think? Sports. Sports.